Hello and welcome to a special episode of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast so Warhammer that Nagash is annoyed that we managed to keep the rats out of our pyramid. I'm your host, Matt, <laughs> and joining me as always, a guy reforged so many times he doesn't even know his real name, but to us, he's Cameron. How are you doing, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I like this implication that we have a pyramid somewhere. Uh, I'm yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, in a realm somewhere. Okay, mm. that's what, that's all I can say on a uh, recording. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's all the souls of all our listeners. Whoops. but as you heard me say i said this is a special episode and that means as always we've got a guest with us and so for this episode joining us the creator of aos reminders it's mr davis e ford how are you doing sir i'm doing great this morning thanks for having me on so you can tell it's the morning for for davis yeah the rest of us are a bit (laughs) haggard now later in the day (laughs) i'm about three cups Ah. of coffee deep and i'm ready to go that's it. Oh, That's exactly fun. what we want to hear. That is how yes. you play AOS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's about right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Davis, thank you very much for joining us on this one. So, as you imagine, this uh, episode, we're going to be talking about AOS reminders and, you know, telling you what it's all about, really, and obviously have a chat about AOS in, in general. So, um, before, but before we'll, we get on to AOS reminders, um, we'll interrogate davis a little bit so uh, so davis you know for the listeners can you sort of basically tell people who you are and so sort of what's your uh, background in aos and warhammer in general yeah so uh well i'm davis ford uh i live in virginia in the united states i uh i'm a software engineer by trade i guess that's what i do during the day but i like painting stuff and i like coding so uh and i like warhammer uh, getting back into, I, I got into Warhammer way back in the day. Uh, I must have been, I don't know, eleven or twelve, and I walked past the Games Workshop in a mall, and just you know, you <laughs> see the models and the display cases, and it, it, that's pretty easy sell as a kid. And so, <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> we're, we're a week <laughs> at that age, even now in our twenties and thirties. <laughs> and the models keep getting better, so it's actually an easier sell at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a very honestly. Good point. <laughs> So I mean I was I was bad at Warhammer back then. You know, I didn't know okay. it. I, mm. and also the rule book, you know, it was three inches thick just to get started. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so what edition would that have been for you? I I honestly don't know. I I'm trying to pin it down. I think it was seventh or eighth. Uh oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't even aware enough of what I was playing at the time to tell you. <laughs> so what yeah, what'd have been the starter set then? Can you remember what it would have been then? I, yes, I got uh, orcs and goblins. I got some orcs, nice. and I promptly painted them brown uh, because I didn't know any better. <laughs> Classic. And I took them to the Games Workshop <laughs> store, and I, I sat down for a paint session. And the first guy, the first thing the guy tells me is, you know, these these are supposed to be green. Uh, good stylistic choice, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's it's you could just say it, it was I don't know camo tactics yeah you know, they, just, they just put yeah. a load of mud over themselves yeah well yeah. And i think lord of the rings was out around that time so i had the the impression uh, that yeah. were brown <laughs> that's fair <laughs> well, it's quite it's quite apt actually considering in aos now because 
you know, orcs and every race can be whatever they want to be, really, because of the mortal realms. That's mm. actually quite apt now. They could be any color they want to be. So, yeah, they don't need to be green. Yeah, I was you ahead of my a, time. A, a trans, a tra- exactly, you're a trendsetter. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what was coming. So you're, that's quite good that you're mm. on our show, actually, because we have a habit of sort of predicting the future, Cameron and I, at times. So. Oh, God. Yeah, we do. It's becoming some kind of curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One that we embrace. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, that sounds really cool, actually, going that sort of far back. Because I suppose, I think we've said this before, because I was, I think, fourth edition when I very first played mm. Warhammer. What was it for you, Cameron? I can't remember, no. Uh, it was the transition between fourth and fifth edition 40K. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, don't even remember what year that would be. Fantasy would be like late <laughs> late seventh, early eighth edition. I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah. So you're around yeah. that sort of same sort of time, really. Whereas, yeah, I was. Mm. Yeah, it was. I think the the set that was around when I got into it was. I think it was the high, high elves. I think it was the high elf set. I swear. Oh, mm. I don't know. It's all fuzzy. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I can't remember last week, so no, no chance going back that far. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so what sort of you know what drew you to you know Warhammer Fantasy at the time compared to say forty k? Uh the guns, the, the 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 idea of gunplay seemed very boring to me. Uh, the idea of just shooting each other across the map, like even as a kid, didn't seem that appealing. Um, I like the idea of swords and spears and shields and, and getting into combat. Uh, and, it, and you know, the regimented trays, they, they looked amazing when you saw a block of like 40 goblins or something. Um, those, yeah. those looked amazing. Yeah, definitely. I always loved um, people do the unit fillers because like, I'm not going to paint 80 goblins. Here's a troll in the middle. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. <laughs> they were always so good. Yeah, my cousin, uh, my cousin got into it w- with me at the same time, so we we just played each other, and he did um, the vampire lords back then, vampire counts, Ooh. and his yes. skeleton units. Uh, yeah, he did so much filler; it would be a hand coming out of the ground, a leg stuck in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. It's all good. <laughs> clever, very clever. <laughs> so, do you actually remember what your um? sort of first full army was that you would have built because i know obviously when you start younger in the hobby let's be honest most of us end up buying random units from random armies and then <laughs> to you you've got an army to you to everyone else you've got just a weird war band that's <laughs> just been drawn together so yeah can you remember what your first sort of full you know what you class as your first full army would have been yeah. I, I think I took the orcs to probably about a thousand points which for me was a lot considering mm. like limited mm. budget as a kid right it, um, I had a wyvern. I had a big boss on a wyvern, which was like my prized possession. Oh, yes. Uh, so I took them pretty far for for being my age. I think I took them pretty far, and then I started doing, like you said, the just the random assortment. I had some dark elves. Um, I just started getting models that I thought looked cool, and because mm. I was just playing against my cousin, we didn't really care about you know allied rules or allegiances or anything like that so it was just you know look up this the unit stats and use them in the game so we both had very mixed armies nice nice so were you sort of in a situation where you were playing at like the local gw or is it just with friends or do you get involved in local clubs and such like uh so we mostly just played at home and actually what's so so we we played for probably a year or so we were building up our armies and painting a lot and uh, we finally decided, let's go to the Games Workshop 
you know, we got our, our, I think our grandmother to drop us off there one day so we could play a game. And uh, about 10 minutes into the game, this like 45 year old guy comes over. Keep in mind, you know, we're maybe 13, maybe 12 or 13. (laughs) This 45 year old guy comes over and tells us we're doing a rule wrong. And we're like, oh, okay. And we just say, uh, it's a house rule because we didn't know any better. You know, we're just kids. And the guy just it gets pretty belligerent. He was like, no, you're, you're playing it wrong. And we go, <laughs> we go, okay, well, it's a house rule. This is how we play it. And he just stayed there the entire game telling us what r- rules we were doing wrong. You got to reroll that. And I, I'm sure he had the best intentions and he was trying to coach us through. But to us, um, we actually stopped playing Warhammer after that. Oh no. oh, no. That's awful. It was just so strange to be like bullied by this older guy the first mm. time we ever ventured to a store to play in front of people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, do, you, so, do you feel that's changed now? I hope it's changed. Uh, mm. <laughs> I, I definitely hope it's changed. I think that it helps that there's more people in the hobby now that, that grew up doing it and they can probably relate to to being young and probably a lot of them have had that experience. I know there's always, there's always Twitter threads and Reddit threads about, you know, that guy. And yeah, (laughs) I think there is a greater awareness now of trying to not be that guy. Mm. Yeah. 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 And then on the other hand, I think that this hobby does attract people who maybe don't have the best social skills all the time. And so there might always be a little bit of an element of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I think it, you know, because it it does bring uh, like a lot of hobbies. It brings a lot of people from different areas, different backgrounds, different ages, which is obviously a great thing because obviously that's what you want. But yeah, you, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? That guy as a as a as a cop. No, I don't mean that guy. I mean obviously the one in quote marks. That guy <laughs> um, is you know it, they will exist and they probably always will exist. You know that's um, um, the unfortunate reality, and that and it's not just you know isolated to our hobby either that's just not that's just the way that some people are going to be and i suppose ultimately it's just how you deal with it really and it's like i said obviously like you said at that the age you were at you know naturally you would have probably just you know gone back into your shell because it would have probably disheveled you so much from you know playing whereas obviously if you know if you dispirit experiencing that as a bit old you know someone a bit older you may just shrug it off and yeah don't worry about it just (laughs) just that sort of guy and you know move on and carry on and hopefully that's how people approach it now but yeah it just comes with the territory now but like you say, I think people are more aware of that guy and now probably finding ways to deal with it. And it's probably, like I said, on a bigger level, it's more of a social thing in the sense that people, you know, you know, let's be honest, as people, as decades go by, people are, you know, trying to be, you know, more tolerant and more accepting of everyone. That's obviously the way it should be. And that guy falls into that category and yeah, fingers crossed, hopefully it's starting to happen a bit more. But yeah, that's a a shame. Um, So sort of, you know, going on from that, um, and obviously you got back into the hobby. I'm <laughs> luckily. Um, so, uh, so you know, what's you know from like the, the sort of different threads, obviously like narrative and competitive. Like, what's sort of more your sort of thing? Uh, casual narrative. Certainly, uh, I am not great at Warhammer, uh, so not competitive. I would get crushed by any player that knows what they're doing. But um, <laughs> my my ideal brand of Warhammer involves a few beers and. Uh, just very casual laid back gameplay uh because some of me is still trying to access that part of me that is 
12 or 13 and you know yeah age of sigmar is a game of rules and the rules have boundaries and all this but at the end of the day you're trying to make little toy soldiers play with each other and yeah that's <laughs> yeah. that's really what i'm after yeah fair enough yeah i think that's what we all want really hopefully at least <laughs> yeah yeah it's i think it's just i mean i mean that's i suppose the beauty of the hobby that you know we said many times on the show you've got you know painting law competitive side whatever you want it to be um i just i i just i suppose a lot of people do treat them as i suppose numbers don't they really that they're not just met you know toy soldiers or whatever they're numbers and therefore they just paint them up get them ready and just want to play and win and, and again that's that's fine if it's your bag i think it's i suppose the most important thing is making sure you find the right people to you know to hobby with you know like if you're mega mega competitive and obviously everyone else is very much not that way then you you know that's always going to well potentially cause a problem because obviously the competitive player is not going to get the sort of games they want and obviously the not competitive people are going to be the same as well um but uh, yeah so i mean do you have have you got like a regular thing going then like do you regularly play yeah i've got a group of friends uh, i still play with my cousin and uh we get oh. together. Well, we haven't gotten together t- uh, too recently, but I think we're getting together next week. We get together at least once a month and and play a game. Uh, I think we're going to go back into the Games Workshop store and pl- start playing more games there. Uh, you know, when I went to Nova this year, my eyes really opened at how big the community was around here. I, I actually live mm. in the area that Nova takes place, and oh. so I-, I was like, "Wow, <laughs> all these people are here. I should really, I should really get into this community a little more." <laughs> <laughs> handing out aos reminder flyers yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's great and again that's the thing isn't it i mean it, we i mean that's why we try i suppose one of the things we try on this show as well is that and it's something we were sort of saying before the show that obviously you know myself and cameron are in you know in different uh different parts of the world entirely and it's nice that you can still have this hobby you know because obviously where you are can sort of maybe isolate you from the hobby you know there's some people you know we've spoken to online where you know they don't get to do much hobby stuff they don't get ready to play because they're literally in such a remote area there is literally no one to to play with and then obviously some people like yourself you know are luckily to be in an area where you've got like a you know big events that happen every year and and join in but you know what i mean do you is is there any sort of ways you think people should uh, or could get over that do you think like you know if you're in an isolated area how do you how would you personally you know get into the hobby and and enjoy it i mean there's always the the you know hobby side of it so you can be the best painter in the world no matter where you are and hmm. but I mean, if you want to play a game at Age of Sigmar and there's no one around to play with you, I th- I think you can play Tabletop Simulator or something online. But I mm-hmm. I don't think that's that's not <clears throat> quite the same, right? <laughs> so I don't know. No. I that that would <laughs> that would not be fun to be honest. See, I've given you your next project now. <laughs> <laughs> um cool okay well so we'll move on to aos reminders in a second one last question regarding uh your start starting sort of into uh uh, who's your favorite faction uh it's it's seraphon by a long shot (laughs) by by such a long shot (laughs) so what draw what's drawn you to them they uh so I'm not i'm not as big on lore as you guys are i don't know all of it uh but i do know that this this the Seraphon have this sort of weird neutrality about them. All right, maybe neutrality is not the best word, but they're they're not out there 
trying to establish themselves as much as the other factions. They they basically mm-hmm. they teleport in, they take care of chaos, and they teleport out. And <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I like good, sum- good summary. <laughs> they're, they're basically honorable crusaders, uh, uh, vigilantes against chaos, and I really like that. I like the play style. I love the models. Uh, I, I just I love the reptilian look of them. I love I think that they have one of the coolest model lines in the game. The coolest to me. I I think mm-hmm. they've got the greatest models. Um and then painting wise, I do enjoy painting. You can paint anything on a lizard and it looks correct. You can't do that with <laughs> you know, you can only paint corn so many different ways because at the end of the day they're they're human like warriors. Um mm-hmm. I, if you paint them bright green it would look a little weird. You can paint yeah. Seraphon however you want. I think uh, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. No, that, that's a very good point, actually. It's the same. There's a few factions like that. I think Sylvanath are the same. Like you said, you can literally paint them whatever color, and you could probably justify it in some sort of way. And, yeah, I suppose it's ha- it's nice having that sort of freedom. Um, I mean, it, it's quite funny that you obviously talk about Seraphon because we covered the Seraphon briefly um, last episode as well. I mean, what, what do you sort of... Uh, you know what do you want to happen with seraphon because obviously they do have like i said they do have a great model line but obviously it's quite outdated now do you do you feel that they're in need of a a big of a revamp i yes i mean so the the general's handbook that just came out was really good for them uh getting the (laughs) getting the reliable teleport was amazing uh because there's a lot of there's a lot of gimmicks you can run right now if because you have the two teleports per t- per turn with the slan uh, and they're reliable which means you can you know I'm experimenting with a list right now where I'm going to teleport croak in drop a bunch of meteors on people and then teleport them back out of danger and you couldn't <laughs> you could not do that strategy before because that would I mean it would basically be suicide yeah. for croak uh yeah <laughs> so you lost the ability to to charge or to to move and charge, sorry, to move after a teleport, but you gained this reliability that was great. The the uh, the lore, the the spells are incredible. Um, but the thing is, it, and so Gotrek is helping with this. I'm painting up a Gotrek right now. There's oh, no, nice. There's nothing in the Seraphon army that can just kill stuff. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because when you look at a Carnosaur model, you're thinking, oh my God, like that's got to be one of the best in the game. And it's just, it's it's really not, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Engine mm. of the Gods, the the Stegodons, they're all, they're cool models. They do well, but when you put them up against any of the more competitive factions, they, they just aren't that powerful. Mm. And so uh, I had been, like I when I played my Seraphon, I win games, and it, but the way I win is not really pleasing to me. It's not a play style that I would like. Because it basically involves spamming skinks, um, summoning more skinks, summoning mm-hmm. more skinks, putting skinks on the objective, screening things off, and so at the end of the game, I don't feel I've had a lot of games where I, I end the game and I've won, and I just kind of apologize to my opponent. I'm like, I, that wasn't very fun for me either. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very much like how uh, people that play Sinesh. Or against the Sinestra, to say, I sort of find things like, I'm sorry that I just called in two more Keepers of Secrets. I'm my bad. Oh, I'm feeling called out here. 
<laughs> it is a no, bit that- rude, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say Seraphon are in a funny position in the sense that they they've got a, a well they're probably arguably the only real faction that where people would say to you if you were get trying to get into them don't buy the battle tome it's so out of date you really don't need to buy it apart from obviously if you want to read about them and in the lore mm. but they're still actually quite competitive obviously usually that would spell that would spell a really bad thing for a faction say look yeah don't even bother with the battle tome you're relying on <laughs> general's handbook and and updates but that's actually not a bad thing they're still quite solid despite how out of date they are compared you know compared to obviously all the other factions that are getting battle tome updates so it's yeah they're in a funny place i would say they are it's mm. uh, i i hope they don't tweak them too much i hope they don't change too much but if they could just give if they could give us a heavy hitter that, and I'm going to see how Gotrek goes because yeah. everyone's been talking about how good he is with Seraphon. <laughs> but just something that can get into combat and go, you know, just go toe to toe with with the big boys. That would be nice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't think they, I don't think they've got any fear of them going away because obviously that's been a thing. People still think at times that they're going to disappear, and I just don't. You know, I mean, I know you can never say never, especially in this hobby but you know that's not going to be a thing really they're, they're because they are a very loved faction um and also they still have their place in the mortal realms and obviously competitively as well so you know hopefully whatever the future brings for them which i'm sure obviously is definitely gonna be a battle tome some endless spells and it's just weather really and we've said again Cameron and i have discussed this before it's just down to weather really they revamp them from you know a, a model perspective because obviously we've seen the uh guacamole gator crater gators <laughs> that's a mouthful isn't it um you know mm. they're looking lovely so you know people are looking at their you know their uh, old bloods and saurus warriors thinking mm, they could do with a bit of a revamp <laughs> mm. yeah the models could use an overhaul um and i know a lot of people compare them to the total war uh how, how they're represented in the total war computer games i think the models mm. look okay the main thing for me is um you pay a lot for pretty outdated sculpts. Uh, there's a lot of resin. And <laughs> if, if the biggest pain point for me, honestly, is Razor Dons are really good. And Razor Dons cost $30 each for a sculpt that is probably the weakest in the entire army. And it's really hard to justify. Mm. <laughs> so if yeah, if they could just hit us with a wave of plastic, that would be great. Um I have faith that whatever they come out with would be amazing. I mean, all the sculpts they release now are so incredible. It's come such mm-hmm. a long way that I'm sure they'll do great. I have absolute faith. I just I wish they would hit us with that update button sooner rather than later. <laughs> 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 They're just hovering over it. They've been there for ages. Going, shall, shall we? No, mm. no. Let's <laughs> let's bring a new faction out instead. But no, they, they'll get their time. It's only. It's only a matter of waiting, I'm sure. So, uh, right, okay, let's get stuck into the main bit. Let's let's talk AOS reminders, your baby, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, so for anyone that is has no knowledge of what AOS reminders is, uh, in plain terms, do you want to explain what it is? Yeah, AOS reminders is a, a site that you can go to. You uh, put your Age of Sigmar army into it all the units all the command traits spells artifacts all that stuff and it will pop out a nice little list that you can download and print and take with you or use the mobile version of it uh, during a game and the the printout will have all of the rules that you need to remember during the game 
split out by phase. So start of turn one movement phase. If you have a rule that only applies to that phase, it will be listed there. It will be laid out for you so that you have less of an excuse for forgetting to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Never done that before. (laughs) Oh, I've never forgotten the rule. No, it's it's. I I must admit, I, like I said before, I've used I used it fairly recently at Warhammer World, and it really is a godsend for for people. Well, for anyone, but particularly people like me who are getting older and forget things and, and everything like that. It really is. I personally want to thank you, Davis, for creating such things. This is really helping us. Yeah. That, you know, not just not just the competitive players, but you know, us older you know older guys that <laughs> barely remember <laughs> like to bring their army level and what it does. So no, it's it's great. <laughs> and that's actually that's one of the pieces of feedback i've gotten is that it so the competitive players like it or they love it um but it's actually people who are more casual about the game who who really love it which kind of makes sense because aos has a lot of information floating around competitive players Mm. are are more likely to know that information because they they spend all their time on it it's the casual people it's the people playing their first or second game that really need uh the tool yeah i would agree with that it's 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 so focused. I think you're right, actually. It's so fo- more focused on that in some ways because, like, I suppose if you're a competitive player who probably treats games as, you know, almost, well, they, they sort of call them reps, don't they? Sometimes where you're like literally just banging out as many games as you can and obviously to get as, as good as you can, obviously. So, you know, before you hit the tournaments, I suppose for, for, let's say, casual players like us where, you know, you, you, you're not, you don't have the time to do that sort of thing and all the, well, all the dedication and you're trying to balance it with other things that I, and, and this, like I said, this literally happened to me. Why am I, I took my blades of corn there just for a casual game with, you know, some of the, the friends of our show. And, you know, I, I, I'd read the battle tome before I went, you know, I had all my points, I had it all sorted. And, um, and unfortunately, I, I I sorted out the uh, the printout for my uh, from AOS reminders, and unfortunately, I literally forgot to take the print off the printer. So someone at work <laughs> would have seen it, thinking, "What in the hell is this?" But that's another story. Um, but luckily, I could I could access it on my mobile phone, so I could I could use it there on the day. But it is so easy. I think when you when you're you know, and like a lot of people in this hobby, you've got lots of, you know, potentially you've got lots of models, lots of different forces because, you know, we're it's, to stay dedicated to one army is difficult in this hobby. So, and I'm one of the worst for it personally. And, you know, it's very difficult to do that. So I think, you know, it's so easy and you know to read the rules on one army and then but then you start looking at another and then obviously you've not had a chance to play with the 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 first army yet so and then like and then you know starts getting you start getting confused about things and like you said there is a lot to remember so like i said this sort of tool is amazing for that because it just gives you go oh yes i can i forgot i got that and even though you may, may have read it 10 times <laughs> prior to the game <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to forget things when you're when you're in the stress of of trying to get a whole game done, and it, you know you're surveying the board, trying to remember everything. It's really nice to just glance down right before you end your phase and go, "Oh, right, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this thing, right?" And for me, that's how I use it. It's, it really gives me that. It's that last second check before I hand over my movement phase or whatever. I'm just like, "Oh, oh you're right, I got to do this." Uh, so it saved me from a lot of errors, uh, which is really nice. <laughs> And probably, hopefully, a lot more people now from errors. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> well, that seems to be the vibe anyway. Um, I mean, does it actually talking about the vibe and everything? Because obviously, I mean, I go on what I, I see and I'm, I must admit, I, I, I'm trying to remember how I came across it. Um, your, you know, AOS reminders. I'm, I think I may have seen it on TGA, um, website. Um, I can't remember now, or maybe someone told me about it. But it's funny when you see something and you start using it and then obviously it draws your eye to it and you think, oh yeah, other people have started talking about that. And then you go on, you know, you go on Reddit and then other people mention it. And obviously you see this sort of snowball effect. Does it feel really quite surreal when you're seeing people that you don't actually know personally, like strangers using your tool and thinking, I did that? It does. Uh, so uh, one uh, one aspect of that is online when I'm you know, I'm reading Reddit or something and someone will post, you know, I, I just got a new army. Uh, what should I do? There's so many rules. And some random person I've never met will just say, oh, you know, some guy wrote AOS reminders. You should use that. To me, that is <laughs> that is incredible to stumble across your own thing mm. in the wild. But then I went, mm. to no- I went to Nova and I had, uh, I had, privately, I had high expectations for Nova and I told my girlfriend when I was going, I was like, I just want to see one person using it. I just want to, I want to walk past the table. <laughs> uh, a lot of people were using it. So many people were using it. And that to me was crazy. <laughs> and I, I saw, so I, I, I really did it up for Nova. I got stickers that say AOS reminders. I had a shirt that said AOS reminders. And I definitely had a lot of fear before the event. Like I'm going to show up and no one is going to know what I'm doing. No one is going to understand my <laughs> shirt, but no, I would just be standing there and people would come over and talk to me and say, are you the AOS reminders guy? And I'd say, yeah. And they go, Hey Bob, come meet. This is the AOS reminders guy. <laughs> I was giving stickers to people that I saw, uh, using it. And you know, there were people with like team America shirts, uh, you know, like, Team AOS America, they, they were using it and they talked to me and they <laughs> gave me a bunch of uh, ideas for features. People were pointing out typos and stuff and just um, that was that was incredible to me to, to see people use it in person for real. Uh, and so I think I'd been working on it for about two months at that point and it definitely was popular online and I was, you know, motivated to keep improving it, but once I left Nova, once the event ended, I, I the last I think it's been a month and a half or so since Nova, something like that. I haven't stopped working on it. It's been four or five hours a day on mm. on improving it because I just wow. I just saw the the feedback and like the the genuine. I don't think I'm overstating it. People love it. Um, yeah, yeah, mm. I'd agree with that. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's yeah i it must be i bet you were buzzing after that like on the way home like all these ideas because obviously it's sort of i suppose <laughs> twofold because obviously one hand you've got people praising it which let's be honest getting praised for something you've done is a lovely thing to have regardless of how modest yeah you are. <laughs> but <laughs> but then also secondly you know like you said people are going oh have you thought about doing this have you thought about doing that and like yeah no i hadn't thought of doing that and then like i said you know get that uh notepad out <laughs> and start you know coming up with the new ideas for it yeah i i was definitely as you put it i was buzzing i i, I came home and i just I, I i don't know man i was on another level i i've had side projects that were like successful online before but this i've never had something that that reached into the real world like this where people would just want to mm. talk to me because of something i did online uh it's definitely it was it was a great mm. feeling yeah, I can imagine, and uh, and I suppose as well is that it did it feel 
better in some because obviously I've looked. I mean, I've looked at obviously some of your developer stuff that you've done on your actually you know website. That's obviously a bit more uh, obviously uh, to uh, other other industries and such like. But did it sort of feel better in some ways because it was a, more personal? Because it's like this is a hobby I love. I've created a tool for it, and then people are really responding greatly to it. And it you know it almost feels doubly good because it's something you're you know you you sort of have a thing for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I, I so I work. I used to work in government contracting and I'm currently doing finance stuff now and they're both rewarding and I, I love my job uh, and that's all great and I put out products that people use and a lot of people use them and, and it's great but it's as part of a team and part of a overarching like management strategy and they're not really my products they're they're products that I'm working on um Mm -hmm. so so when there's praise about them Mm -hmm. it's sort of you know it's it's diluted praise like yeah that's cool i did work on that feature but so did you know five other people and but this i'm not going to take 100 percent credit i have a lot of contributors to the aos reminders code base but i will take credit for you know the idea basically and getting it to where it is uh it, it feels rewarding yeah it it feels it's it's a lot of validation um and it just—I don't know—the the the community loving it as much as they do makes me work on it more, and then the community lo- likes it more, and I, it's just a very nice feedback <laughs> loop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, gee, actually, talking to your idea, where like where did it actually come from? What was the what was the moment you think I'm going to do this? Uh, so I play Seraphon, like I said, and it's like Seraphon has a lot to keep track of, and uh, so I, I wrote a spreadsheet which I think is what everyone does. And <laughs> and then I'm, you know, I'm a developer and I just was like, well, okay, what if I made this like a page that that I could cuz cuz the spreadsheet wasn't I'm not very good at Excel. So the spreadsheet wasn't very dynamic. I couldn't like swap units in and out. So I thought, okay, what if I make it a web page cuz that's just, you know, the tool set that I'm used to using and uh and just put the rules in there and I didn't really when I first made it they weren't the rules it was more it was literally reminders which is why it's called what it is so Mm -hmm. for Seraphon Mm -hmm. it was it didn't have the rules for the blot toad it just said place blot toad turn one like very simple (laughs) um yeah yeah and I I showed it to the group of friends that I play with and they they kind of liked it and they said you know can you do it for my army and so I did it so uh, Sylvaneth, Ideneth, Deepkin, and Gloomspite gets, and I knocked them out and that's when that's when the, really the code base started to take shape and I started to kind of formalize how I was putting things into it. The UI the user experience at that point was still <laughs> not great, like <laughs> it, it wasn't as intuitive as it is now. It it, it uh, there was a lot to be desired, but the idea was there, and I just I thought it was cool. So I think I posted it on Reddit, and it got just a, a ton of upvotes, ton of people. There were like fifty people on the site at once, and I I think when I posted mm-hmm. it, I immediately got like a few thousand views. It was just all of a sudden cool. it was popping off, <laughs> and all these people all these people were posting um, either bugs that they had found, or I mean the most common thing was just can you do my army. There's a lot of armies yeah, in Age of Sigmar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all about me and my army. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I still have people asking if I'll do Tomb Kings. And to those two... Uh, yeah. Uh, I have to say to those, to those, you know, two or three people, 
Probably not. I'm sorry, but <laughs> maybe one day. I was thinking you should put it as an option, and then when they select it, nothing happens. Like all the other boxes are, are grayed out. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be harsh, though. <laughs> we can't mock Tomb, Tomb King players. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Um, I mean, what, like, what are your future plans for it? Like, where, where do you see it? Go? You know, do you feel it sort of coming to like where you want it to be? Or do you think it's still got quite a few more legs to it? Uh, that's a really good question. So where it is right now, I could conceivably leave it like this and just update the rules. You know, like cities of Sigmar and the uh, orcs are coming out and we, we could just add new mm. armies. Like it, it's good enough right now that I could just let it run as it is um so that's kind of left me at a point where right now all the stuff that i'm doing all the work that i'm doing on it is mostly bug fixes um we do have a subscription option so Mm -hmm. i've been adding features for people who subscribed um people who subscribed in the early days (laughs) the early days like a month ago uh (laughs) (laughs) people who subscribed early you didn't really get that much of a benefit out of it like i appreciate their subscription you the what you could do at that point was save and load an army um Mm -hmm. and so their subscriptions were really more about supporting the project itself which i really appreciate and um and i kept delivering more and more features for free and i've i've kind of taken a step back and said all right i need to reward people who are actually putting money into the project. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'm doing now. Like yesterday I released the uh, the favorite faction. So you can go to your profile, set your favorite faction, and it, it'll all be loaded up for you when you when you load the page. So oh, you nice. don't have to look at Beast Claw Raiders every single time because it's alphabetical <laughs> order. Uh, so, so then yeah, I tried the, that earlier, actually. It's, it's, it's a good little handy thing. It's just so handy to you know, go, ah, yes, I don't, I'm not a Beast Claw Raider every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's one of my one of my favorite features. Yeah, having Seraphon all the way at the bottom of that list, it's been nice. <laughs> so then there's, uh, you know, where do I go in the future with it? Obviously, I'll keep maintaining it and and keep getting rules updated. Um, but a lot of that on a lot of the rule stuff is falling to the contributors at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got guys like Rogue Michael and Thundergore and Zerhark who you might not know their names, but they're actually the the main reason you see the rules nowadays, I don't really do the rules as much. I'm more focused on like the application side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That will take care I mean, of itself in the future. So a lot of people want a mobile app and a lot of people want a 40 K version. And those are the two <laughs> big, those are the two big <laughs> things that I'm thinking about. <laughs> it's, do you know what? It's, this is so funny because literally the like two of the next questions i've got are uh have you thought of doing an app and are you doing a 40k version <laughs> <laughs> damn it <we're> all... well <laughs> you're uh... interviewing yourself <laughs> <laughs> i can go through so, those yeah <laughs> tell <Yeah>. us <laughs> so mobile app that is an interesting question. I am not a mobile app developer. Uh, I've never done a mobile app. Uh, so I, early on, I was like, yeah, I'll totally do a mobile app. And then I talked to some people at my at work who do do mobile apps. And they, they basically gave me a side eye. And they said, um, <laughs> you don't want to get involved in that until you're ready. And the reasons for that are uh, it, it's not so much the code. Like, I can code and it, 
the coding is not the hard part. It's keeping up with store requirements and publishing and dealing with, you know, mm. the Apple mm. store and all that. Um, so that's something I want to do. I'm hoping I get a contributor at some point that is more familiar with mobile apps and can kind of help me get on the right path. Uh, and I've also been waiting for the code base to settle down. And this is, it's getting to a place where it would be a good time to start exploring it. Like I have a pretty mature code base at this point. I have features that are clearly defined. I have expected behavior. I have a lot of tests for things. It would be cool to explore the idea of a mobile app. Uh, I'm not mm. committing to anything right now. I mean, I'm basically just thinking out loud right now. It's always mm. on my mind whether or not I should do it because a lot of people have asked me. <laughs> I will say I've spent a lot of time making sure that the site looks good on mobile and works mm-hmm. on mobile, but I, I understand people mm. people also want it to be available offline, and that's that's one of the big things is uh, just having it on your phone so you don't have to be on a website. So yeah, yeah, I suppose I suppose especially at like tournaments and such, like you're beholden to do you have an internet connection? Do they have Wi-Fi? They probably don't. Do you have enough? You know. Uh, mobile signal to to have it yeah it, and i suppose we're in we're in that world now aren't we we want an app for everything and obviously we've you know for, we've got battlescribe out there uh which i think actually talking about battlescribe haven't you been toying with the idea of an import yeah. side of that <laughs> yeah i have um that is an interesting one so i was starting to work on that about uh three or four days ago like i i downloaded battlescribe and i, I made a ton of rosters one for at least one for every faction and I was starting to set up all my tests for it. And I put a question out on Twitter and I said, hey, do you guys typically export your Battlescribe rosters as uh, HTML or XML? And the top comment to that was, I export them as either, and then I throw it in the trash and use War Scroll Builder. <laughs> uh, and it seems like, and this could be just the Twitter verse telling me things, but it seems like people believe that Battlescribe users are in the minority. And uh, so I put up another. Yes. I, I put up another yeah. poll, and I said, "Should I bother with the Battlescribe thing, or should I do other features right now?" And other features won like ninety to ten. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm it, surprised at that. I was too, and I'm still not sure if that's just some biased Twitter stuff. You know, I don't want to <laughs> take Twitter too seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I suppose, I suppose in obviously, I suppose on the AOS side, you've got the luxury of having the option of a, of a Zia as well, which obviously I know you've obviously put the functionality in to import those as well, which obviously is great. And I, but I suppose for me, like you know, but I mean, I use Battlescribe all the time. I mean, me and my work mm. colleague Martin, are, <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this on the recording, but we spend a lot of time at work <laughs> just on Battlescribe. Going, ah, how many points is this? What does this do? Because obviously it's a perfect way, especially on for, the 40K side where you don't have access to War Scrolls, you know, like you can go on the GW site. It's like, you know, it's, Battlescribe's great in the sense that even if you're not using it to build an army, you can use it to, you know, export a PDF so you can actually see the, the stats of a particular unit if you don't have like at work where you don't have your codexes with you um well not all the time anyway mm. <laughs> and uh and, yeah you know you can <laughs> find this if in this uh sort of information so yeah i'm, I'm surprised that because i've always felt that battle scribe is is uh popular but i i suppose maybe is it because it does have a bit of a reputation for being a bit you know, buggy or, you know, it may be a bit misleading, but then at the end of, at, at the, end of the day, it's contributed to by, pe- you know, volunteers. So, 
you know, I, I I think it's great for what it does. So I'm yeah, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't rule it out. Would you agree with that, Cameron? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always going to be useful for people. Um, my brain just turned off. So. Uh, well, <laughs> oh god! Oh god! I was listening. I was listening so well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got distracted. I was I was building my Nighthorn army on AOS reminders. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's fine. That's yeah. fine. You're testing it live. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you you said you optimize it really well for mobile, so I checked, and you've optimized it really well for mobile. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> it's working great on my phone. <laughs> verified uh, there and then. Verified. <laughs> Oh, start amazing. using this for path to glory um yeah <laughs> well then just for you i will say, yes i will do battle scribe stuff um for sure yeah uh, yeah no I, I think i think honestly i i wouldn't use the twitter uh situation to rule your decision i i, I mean i'm not saying those those votes weren't valid but i think a lot of people do use battle scribe predominantly because it you know unless you pay for the non-ad version it's free and it's you know like i said it's it's an app that is so handy i you know it's just Mm. a great little thing just to tinker around on so yeah i think i genuinely believe people would benefit from it but obviously you know it's down to like time and (laughs) and effort and such like um so yeah so what's your so what's the i know obviously 40k is a funny one because obviously from what i can see you've not really ever played 40k so uh what's your thoughts on that going forward so i've never played a game of 40k and that would probably be the number one barrier uh to to entry (laughs) which isn't to say it can't be done because I, a lot of people do want it for 40k, and as I understand it, 40k is arguably more complex than AOS. Yes, so definitely, uh, mm. yeah, I, I understand the need there. I suppose it's down. I suppose it's down to whether you want to do it over the love of it, because obviously, I suppose it's a bit of a tricky one. Because obviously, you know, in one side, well, this is my thought anyway. On one side, you would be benefiting a lot of people because, like you just said, it arguably is the the more difficult game there's more little nuances and things to understand so i think the as great as aos reminders has been for the aos people i think it, personally i think the 40k if there was a 40k version it would be even more beneficial just purely because of the the, the type of game it is but then the flip side is do you want to build something potentially which you may not well because you don't have a, a background in it you know it sort of does it then become a bit more like work rather than pleasure right and, and i think it would feel a little bit like work and then for mm. for it to feel mm. for me to feel genuine doing it i would have to get into 40k which i mean that's not a bad thing but <laughs> but let me Do step it. back a little bit <laughs> this is where it starts <laughs> <laughs> let me step back i'm a human being who has other interests besides warhammer you know so it, if i were to what to, what if I were oh, cap- if I were no, to cap- dip my toe into the 40k <laughs> thing, my my life would be Warhammer at that point, and arguably arguably my mm. life already is pretty Warhammery. And <laughs> I'm sure my girlfriend is downstairs yeah. yelling, "Yeah, it is, yeah." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't let him get in there. Don't let him get into 40k, please. Oh dear. Mm, yeah. I don't. I. I mean, I can see. I can see the need for it in 40k because um, I think it's particularly with the most recent Space Marine updates. Uh, I've I've watched a lot of battle reports, and everyone is forgetting half the rules for them because there's a lot more. All of a sudden, like they've gone from 
I remember my chapter tactics, and that's about it too. You have your chapter tactics, you have your combat doctrine, you've got all these other sub-rules, it's suddenly exploding in complexity. So I can see how something like that would be very helpful. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. Uh, so it's something I've thought about. It's something that it is really interesting to me, but it's just because... It, I just know that in order to mm. do it properly, I would have to get into 40k. I'd have to buy the books. Mm. I, it would be a big lift. Um, yeah, I'd have to get a new set of contributors yeah. who are all about 40k, and it's just—it's not impossible. It's just how much of my life do I want to dedicate to this? Uh, mm. I do know it, it. I do know that the player base for 40k is bigger. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I, I think you've got to come down on it as as a person, really. Like you said, I don't, you know, because ultimately, I know, obviously, like you said, you've got uh, subscribers and and obviously ways to to sort of uh, finance uh, this, you know, AOS, AOS reminders. But at the end of the day, it, you know, you're doing it because you've created a tool for yourself, and then obviously it's become really mm-hmm. successful. That and you know, and it's greatly benefiting people. But I think you've you've got to get that balance where it's you're doing it because you really want to do it, as opposed to feeling like you're doing it for everyone else. And you know, I think it's it's difficult because also is, there is a part of you thinks, well, yeah, but so many people benefit from this. But then the other side is like, yeah, but I may not, you know, I'm. <laughs> it may feel like almost like a chore. <laughs> and then it, and then will you do the best job possible? It's a difficult one, really. I suppose it's similar to us as podcasters that you know we love what we do, but. I think if we didn't, or we say we covered a game that, you know, because obviously we, we're basically 50-50 between AOS and 40K just because we're greedy <laughs> and like both of them. Yeah. But, but you know, and if, you know, whereas if we wanted to cover the other stuff that we'd be like, yeah, I quite like that. It's all right. You know, it, it just then, would you, would the content be as good as you'd want it to be? Probably not. And I suppose you, you're in that sort of territory, aren't you? Yep. It, it, I don't want to deliver a subpar product to people. Um, mm. I, I I definitely don't want to be like the guy who had one successful idea and then he, so he, he just decided everything he's going to do is successful. So he launched this like <laughs> terrible 40k thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have yeah. to be a good application. And I, it's just a time investment, man. I, I've sunk the last four months of my life into AOS reminders and it's great, but, other things have suffered, like I, I, you know, suffered is a strong word, but like I have ignored things in my life in order to do this. I'm not doing other mm. side projects. Mm. There's there's an opportunity cost mm. to everything. Um, of course. And I'm able to justify yeah. it because at the end of the day, I use this thing and it's really cool and it's in mm. it's in my, you know, gaming community. And it, so the 40K is just a little harder. And I think you're right that it would feel like work. Um, yeah. And I already yeah, no, work, that's, that's you like- know. i mean i was one thing i was gonna ask you what what would what would happen hypothetically if gw approached you about this and sort of said we really like what you've done i think it's great would you be on board with us say you know say they officially wanted to create this or say they wanted to do a 40k version that officially through them and because obviously that's how a lot of these other things they've built have have come about because i think i i I could be wrong on this but sam pearson the guy who's responsible for Warcry, i i'm pretty sure he was the guy that once upon a time created hinterlands which is like the unofficial version of aos skirmish and obviously you know he's got that gone down that path so yeah what happens if gw approached you what would you what would you take be on it uh that's a really good question i 
I, that would be my dream, honestly. <laughs> um, to to be picked up by GW, uh, that would be great because I, I well I I think that this okay well this will spread into a sort of a broader point. Um, I think it would actually be in Games Workshop's best interest to work with me on this thing, uh, mm. because and I I've seen this firsthand. I have. I have uh, models in my display case behind me in my office, and I have this one friend that he comes over, and every time he comes over, he's like, man, those look awesome. He's never played Warhammer before, but he's just like, man, those look awesome. Mm. Could we play a game? And before AOS Reminders, before I had written it, I would always say, uh, I mean, yeah, we can play a game. It's it's a lot, dude. Like it's Because uh, really, to play a game of Warhammer, like... You kind of need to read the battle tome first. You kind of need to read the core rules first. You kind like there's actually a lot of mm. you, go do some homework and then we can talk about it. And he's not going to do homework. He's just <laughs> he's just over at my house. <laughs> and then so I printed out AOS reminders um, when he came over and he, he ogled the models. He loved them. And, and I said, you know what? Let's do it. And I, I printed out AOS reminders and we had a great game because the thing is without the reminders. Mm. When you're introducing someone to the game, it's great to introduce people. I always advocate for that. But you're essentially, without the reminders, you're just playing against yourself and letting the other guy roll the dice, um, which is <laughs> yeah, it's rewarding for that guy, and that's that's good. But like, it's it can be a chore, sort of. Um, it's a little bit boring. But with the reminders, I, I could sit him over there and just you know, before the end of his movement phase, I would just say, hey, you know, did you do everything? And he go, oh, right. <laughs> So that's that kind of that's a very like personal experience, and now he wants to play Warhammer every time he comes over. That's a very personal experience, but I think if you amplify it, if your game's workshop, you want to sell models, you want to sell books, you have a great IP, you have a great product. In my opinion, a great product. The number one problem with the product is that it is not approachable at all mm. by newcomers. Um, you can get sucked into yeah. it because you see how good the models are. And the, the stories and the art and like you can get sucked into it and and you can get over that first hurdle of learning all the information but it's so off-putting the amount of things you need okay i don't want to get into 40k because i know that it's i'm gonna have to buy all these books and i'm gonna have to learn all these things <laughs> yeah and if there yeah. were a cheat sheet that i could get for my first few games that just 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 tells me how to play the game i would love that and I think that Games Workshop is missing that. Yeah. They're missing the the approachability of their game. And I think AOS Reminders fills that void for them. And so, so mm. if they came to me, what, and, what, go ahead. What, what do you think? So I was going to say, what do you think may, would make it more approachable? I know, obviously, you just said AOS Reminders, but do you think there's anything else that's missing in that gap? Because I I completely agree with you. But like I said, what's your thoughts? Like anything else? I, I think they're doing some of what I would suggest already. Uh, one of them is simplifying War Scrolls. So I know that there's some war scrolls that are infamous because certain units can take various combinations of weapons. Um, I know that, like, for Seraphon, when the Ripperdactyls, uh, when you have Ripperdactyls hitting people, they have three different types mm-hmm. of attacks, and you can't roll them all at once because they all have slightly different uh, profiles. <laughs> and and that means that and when you yeah. play Ripperdactyls, you're rolling a bucket of dice, and so you got to roll three separate buckets of dice and resolve all of them in order. <laughs> and it gets, it's just tedious. And if you could just, mer- mm. if you could do the math on, okay, what's the average damage output for this pro for these three profiles combined, combine them into one profile, speed up the gameplay, speed up understanding. 
Um, I, I, I think things like that are, are just one of the simpler ways to go about it. I like that they're doing the war scroll, the cards that you can buy. Those are really useful. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how else you would simplify it. I mean, it's a complex game at the end of the day. Like you can only simplify mm. it so much, but increasing accessibility of the rules is, is really, that would be my focus. Yeah. Mm. No, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I think as well as that they're on, they're on the, they are getting there or slowly getting there because, you know, if you think that if you, fe- you know, if someone felt that AOS is, isn't the most approachable, then <laughs> wait till you try 40k. Cause also at least with like, <laughs> at least with AOS, you've got war scrolls available for free, which is great. You know, again, you don't have mm. a 40k version, which is one of my personal bugbears. Cause I don't think that's fair. Um, obviously you, you, they've just released the new AOS game and book this week, uh, which, you know, is, I mean, I've not, personally or around to seeing it i've got it on order um but you know it's it's again another step forward they're simplifying things combining things and and such like and yeah i suppose like i said it it is a complicated game all these games are to a degree and you can't ever you know without it making it like you're playing you know some you know some just normal dice game you know there's got to be complexity there but i suppose it's trying to they i think they are focusing on aos being the one that they try to push people towards probably also to balance it because like we said earlier 40k is the more popular game that's just the way the way it is but there's obviously still a lot of room for aos as well um do you agree with that cameron as well yeah, yeah. AOS is the franchise that I feel is still sort of growing into its full potential, whereas 40K is very, very well established at this point and very wide reaching. And I mean, we, we talk a lot about how there's still mysteries in the 40K universe, but overall it feels fairly well set. Like we've got all our core player set, whereas Age of Sigma is continually growing and expanding with all these new factions and all these new updates to the, the lore and how the game is played. And yeah, they need that bit more of focus on it, I think, to keep pulling it further and further along until it sort of catches up to 40k a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, actually, this is sort of nicely segued into the sort of last part of this where I was going to talk about AOS in general. Um, I mean, what do you... So, Davis, what do you sort of feel the current state of AOS is? And I'm talking, obviously, from the sort of the game as opposed to the lore. So, yeah, how do you sort of, you know, what do you feel it's in a good place at the moment, especially since sort of 2.0? I, th- I think it's in a good place. I th- I think that they're getting better about what rules they release. They're getting better with understanding, like, their community. I think that when you look at recent tournaments and i mean i'm not a tournament player but i think that it is valid to judge the health of the game on tournaments uh there's a lot of factions finishing in the top 10 there's obviously certain factions like slanesh that are maybe a little problematic (laughs) right now but that's the thing is that they're just problematic they're not um they're not overly dominating uh the community is good it they have so much goodwill from Warhammer Fantasy Battles, honestly, that it's carried over to AOS. The models are incredible. The art, the lore, the pace of battle tomes being released, the new factions, the the Bone Reapers. That I think it's in a great, great place. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think, I think it's I, in some ways. I it's funny actually because I, I, I've always considered myself a 40k person over 
well, I say fantasy. Obviously, now in these days, AOS. I that was always the prominent game and lore I was more interested. But I, I think, especially, especially sort of since get back into the hobby and doing this show, I've always felt like my I'm definitely swaying more towards AOS at times now. I just feel like like they're just doing right things with it. Like I said, they are, you know, some of the things I mentioned, obviously with war scrolls and, and the rules side of things. Um, I like, you know, even in recent times with seeing the amazing stuff we're seeing with cities of Sigma, you know, people are doing some amazing stuff, you know, purely from a model perspective. And it, it just feels more, I don't know, like, like the, there's no limits and, I always joke about this because I always say that when I talk about AOS, there's no rules with it in in the sense that you, anything can be, you know, like when you're talking about your, you know, brown painted orcs earlier, it's like, you know, in AOS, anything can be anything because they've made it that way. Mm. The realms are very loose and diverse and, and such like, so both from a law and obviously in turn, you know, you're seeing it on the tabletop. Everything's, you know, it always feels like every update or every new army or such like is see is getting like very thematic rules which i think is amazing you know like in recent times like when you're talking about sunesh with the the header knights you know you, the fact you can run different hosts and they all play to different things the summoning the depravity points you know it's just it's cool you know i just think it's just seems very like you know forward thinking I, I suppose, where sometimes 40k can seem a bit obtuse. I don't know, I suppose. Uh, do you, what do you think, Cameron? Do you, what's your views on that? Mm, yeah, I'd say they're more open to doing interesting things in Age of Sigma, like really new and innovative things with the game, uh, whereas 40k... They are doing new things in 40k as evidenced by stuff like the new Space Marines and everything like that, but like a lot of stuff is we already know how this faction works and what we want them to feel like, so let's make sure we can sort of entrench that. Whereas Age of Sigma, like you can surprise everyone, you know, like the, the game initially came out like, uh, what are the dwarves like in this world? Well, they're half naked, they're always on fire. And, uh, <laughs> they're impossible to kill as a result for some reason. Um, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And you can express that in interesting ways mechanically. Like every army feels really quite distinct. Whereas, like, I mean, I mean, in the end of the day, Age of Sigma tends more towards ending in sort of big melee combats all over the place. Whereas 40k tends to end in sort of these shorter ranged firefights, but it feels different somehow. I'm not exactly sure what it is about it. But it, like I think, like you said, when you uh, Davis, you were talking about how how you chose Warhammer Fantasy initially over 40k, like that extra dynamism of getting like charging in feels like it lends something fresh, and for some reason feels like it can be expressed in multiple ways. Like you have like the daughters of Cain speeding up and getting more and more empowered as the battle goes on, versus the Ideneth Deacon rolling in and out out of combat. Um, the gloom spike gets chasing the moon across the board and all that kind of stuff. The stuff that doesn't really seem to happen as much in 40k. Um, all these interesting concepts. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd agree with that too. It's, I mean, I mean, the good thing is ultimately, regardless of what game you're into, you've, you know, if you want to commit fully to them, you can properly get stuck in. And like Davis has said oh, yeah. a few times, you know, the models at the moment are amazing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they, they're, constantly trying to push things forward so no we're we're in mm. a, i would even though we you know we may moan about things here and there we are in quite a golden <laughs> age of this hobby mm. or at least it feels mm. like that anyway um so <laughs> before we wrap this up uh davis one last question for you um again from aos perspective 
what so in regards to the game if you had a, one thing you could change or something could happen into the game you know, one, you know whether it's a rule or an army what you know, what's one thing you would you'd like to see happen I mean, I already said it, but I, I really think it would be simplified weapon profiles on War Scrolls. I think yeah. that would just it would just save mm. so much time, and I'm I'm so tired of someone rolling five dice and they say, you know, the three red ones are are hitting on twos, and the the blue ones hit on threes, and <laughs> I just mm. if you could just mm. simplify these these, it's all math at the end. It's just it's just odds. So if you can average it out and just have one weapon profile. Maybe do away with the plus one attack for unit leaders. I don't think that that rule is very interesting anymore because every unit gets it. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of an automatic mm-hmm. plus one. Just streamlining things like that that don't really add to the game that much. Um, it made more sense when things were regimented in fantasy battles to to, to give that guy up front mm-hmm. plus one attack and to give the standard bearers things. But I think that the way the game is moving now, it's a sort of skirmish combat it doesn't make as much sense and it it just adds another layer to things that i think is unnecessary so streamlining the gameplay mm. and actually if i can make one more point uh yeah go for it updating they it this is obviously biased because i do a lot of data entry for the rules and stuff <laughs> if you google i think random example if you google balewind vortex war scroll right now you will probably get the old war scroll that is uh, pretty broken mm-hmm. and out of date and has been fact, right? But if you're just yeah. a casual player, you will not know that and you will use the old broken version. And I course, say that yeah. because I did that in a game and I was like, wow, this thing's really good. And then I looked it up after the game and I was like, <laughs> wow, I was cheating. So <laughs> if they could just improve, it's really good that they have their rules out online. But I think they have to be a little mm. bit more careful about curating them and making sure that only recent correct rules are out there. Um, and Games Workshop, if you're hiring, let me know. Mm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. We always joke they do listen to us. They did. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll put in Look, a good word. <laughs> you, can, you can build them a proper War Scroll database instead of having to find each product page. Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool no that's that's an awesome choice no i'd agree with that and i think one thing i was gonna say on top of that is that it with like with standard bearers and horn blowers and such like it because you're getting benefits for almost free it always feels like when even when you get like a five-man unit you feel like i have (laughs) uh, well i might as well make him the you know the upgrade you know whatever they the whatever the uh, unit's leader is called. Like, well, I'm going to definitely upgrade that. I'm definitely going to have a horn blower. I'm definitely going to have a standard bearer. And then there's like just two normal guys <laughs> just like yeah. hanging oh, around just, with all these upgrades. Just, just two normal guys, you say. Let me tell you, I have a unit of five guys with a champion, a horn blower, a standard bearer, a banner bearer, and a standard guy. <laughs> some units have two kinds of standards that you have to mess oh, around yeah, with. Oh, like, yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they overlap. They don't have to be on. They don't have to be in separate groups of five. They can both be in the same group of five. I'm like, why are you doing this? And that just feels like get to be special snowflakes. Yeah, and that just feels like a holdover from the fantasy battle days, where it is. Yeah, they're applying an old paradigm to a new type of game, and I think it's just a little unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Davis. It's been mm. really, really interesting. And it's like I said, it's it's good. And it's nice to actually have a good chat about AOS as well, because obviously we, yeah. we sort of split between the two games. It's nice to devote <laughs> something purely to, to AOS. So, uh, so no, thank you very much for joining us, Davis. And this is your opportunity to plug anything, you know, where can people find your work? Where can people find you on social media, etc.? Uh, well, AOSreminders.com is the main thing. You can actually find all my contact info there. I'm I'm Davis Ford on Twitter. Uh, my website is DavisEFord.com. Uh, and I would just like to take this opportunity to thank all the all the contributors who have who have put code into the code base. Who you know, like I get to go on the podcast and stuff, yeah, but it's because of them. <laughs> I'd just like to thank all of them for all of their hard work and and thank you to everyone who uses it and leaves feedback and helps me make it better i it really is a a passion project it's something i do out of love so i just thank you to everyone over the last you know four months that's helped make it successful and thank you for having me on this has been really fun <laughs> pleasure <laughs> excellent. <laughs> excellent go check it out everyone listening um and cameron where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twin. Well, you'll mostly find me complaining about the uh, the level of noise in venues for wedding receptions because my ears are still <laughs> ringing. Um, <laughs> it's been a rough evening. Um, <laughs> but other, other than that, it's generally good. Um, no, and Matt, how about you? <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter as well at Ninja Badger Seven, and of course, you can find our podcast on there as well at Realm and Ruin. Um, so, yep. Yeah. It's been a great episode. It's been great talking about AOS reminders. Thank you to Davis. Thank you to Cameron. You can go to bed now. And I <laughs> <and laughs> hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll catch you on the next show. Bye. Ta-ra.